0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey Matt, summer's over.
1: Summer is over. It's time for school. It reminds me of that Yo Gabba Gabba song, It is fall.
0: It is fall. The leaves are falling everywhere. I love you, Gabba Gabba. It was like being on an acid trip. Really? It's show. like the modern day Sesame so Street on
1: different different meds.
0: Modern day Sesame Street, only the characters look like dildos. Like It's <laughs> so weird. It's the weirdest <laughs> show ever. It really is. So really weird. Um, but your kids go
1: back to school this week. My kids go back to school this week.
0: My daughter went back to school. She's in eighth grade. She started today. And we dropped my son off in college Four days ago, not that I'm counting. What was that like? It was terrible. It completely sucked. One star, do not recommend. Mm. It was just not good. Nothing about dropping your kid off at college is good. It's horrible.
1: Well, just for the listeners, this is your only son. And the first time you ever dropped off a kid at college.
0: It is. Make no mistake about it. I'm absolutely thrilled for him to go away. I really am. I'm grateful that he's able to go away to college, and I'm grateful that we're able to send him. But it is way more of an ordeal than I expected. But I've been really lucky to have a lot of wonderful friends who are going through the exact same thing. And basically, we have a system where each one of us, as we drop off our kids to college... We return home to the neighborhood that evening and whoever is home just lines up shots for them. <laughs> nice. We we literally drink and cry together. So, so that's what you have to look forward to. It's in nice to years. have a community of friends. Well, not to stick poke your,
1: your maternal uh, emotions too much, but on the first day of college, for me, I cried myself to sleep. You did? Yes.
0: That is not my experience. My first day of college, I was like, see ya. I didn't speak to my parents for a month after they wow. dropped off the job. Yeah, I don't think I spoke to them for a couple of weeks after I cried myself to sleep on the, my first night. But then I was fine. I think people go through a, a real spectrum of emotions, and the bottom line is they're all in it together. The schools set up programs to support the kids through that homesickness. And I'm sure that, you know, in a couple of weeks, my son, like everybody else's kids, are going to be doing great. They're already, most of them, doing great. So it's all good. It's just it's just weird.
1: You know, we're the age where we really essentially remember what it was like to be in eighth grade or start college. Yeah. And now the, mm-hmm. the relatability to what our children are feeling emotionally hits yeah. home to 1985 it, it, and it, 1992.
0: It's true. It's true. And it's like very strange when you get to the point where you remember exactly what you were doing at the same age that your kids are. Yep. And, and and I'll tell you, one of the things, you know, not to go down this like, wow, how different it is for this generation road, but the constant technology and the communications changes everything. Because I mean, we, we had 10 people sharing one phone in the hallway of my dorm. Yep. So talking to your parents or anybody else was really, it was rough. Yep. That's very different than being able to text your kids or Facetime them and make sure they're okay, and follow them on Find My Friends or Live Three Sixty and know exactly where they are. It's very helpful, at least for my neuroses, to be able to like pinpoint exactly where my kid is and say, "Okay, I see you're at the dining hall," and then I don't have to annoy him. But you know, Matt, this is a you know I'm feeling wistful. I'm feeling very wistful today. Oh, tell me, do 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 go on. And almost apropos to the week that I'm having. This is also our last episode of Vaxon. But wait, wait, wait! Before
1: listeners, you know, lose their shit, it's not the last episode of you and me chatting every week about crazy stuff.
0: No, it is not. What listeners do we mean can by find that? Their shit. Yeah. They don't have to lose any shit. They can find their shit. <laughs> we'll still be here. Fear not, shitless people. We have more shit to give
1: you. After almost two years, the Vaxon segment is evolving into a similar but more relevant segment called Drumroll.
0: Health Careless. So Health Careless will be starting next week, but we thought that it would be a great idea to just kind of go back and take a walk down memory lane to see what's happened with some of those things that we covered on Vaxon over the last two years.
1: We should cue that Mike Myers.
0: So I figured, Matt, what would be more fitting? then to start our retrospective with a discussion of Uncrustables.
1: Uncrustables, I knew you were going
0: there. An excellent
1: choice, an excellent choice.
0: Matt, I can't even believe this. I I literally cannot even believe that I'm saying this. I went to the supermarket yesterday to make sure that I had Uncrustables for my daughter's first day of school lunch. And I went in with the confidence that only a summer mom can have. And I... (laughs) I was like, let me just make sure that I get those Uncrustables because they've been there all summer. They've been on the shelves. I went and the shelves are totally bare, not just for the ones that I wanted, but for literally every flavor of Uncrustables. They usually at least have like the honey ones, which I don't know who the fuck is eating that, but they (laughs) usually have them. Well, if you're new to the
1: show, by the way, anyone chiming in for the first time, perhaps on this episode... Allure has had a sordid history with the Uncrustables product, as far as school lunch and home snacks are concerned, because COVID destroyed her capacity to purchase them. And yet along the journey of the last two years, only the flavor she despised became available thanks to supply chain. And yet now here we are, where no matter what she wants to buy, despised or not, they're not there anyway.
0: None of them are there. And here's the thing, right? So I I like did a deep dive into this because I was just like, what the fuck is going on with the Uncrustables? And the guy at ShopRite said, the manufacturer says it's all shut down. There's no Uncrustables of any kind right now anywhere. So here's the situation. This whole time we've been dealing with supply chain issues that were a direct result of COVID. And it kind of happened in different ways. You know, like there's no sriracha because I don't know why there's no sriracha, but then there's no toilet paper because <laughs>
1: people the were The sriracha like, plant was wiped out by COVID.
0: I think it was like something that was like flooding and that's why they can't make the sriracha. Then there was like a different issue with the computer chips. And that's why we can't have any new cars. Then people were buying toilet paper like lunatics. So that's why there was no toilet paper for a while. And it was actually like not the same problem for each of the products. Sometimes it was because people were hoarding the products. Sometimes it was because supply chain, the manufacturers and the transportation couldn't get the products into the stores.
1: I remember the aha moment that we had when we realized why. There was such a toilet paper and paper towel shortage at the onset of the pandemic with the lockdown. And it's because nearly all Americans wipe their ass and use paper towels at work. And the fact that none of us went to work, we had to double our need, or in Staten Island's cases, quintuplely triple our need <laughs> of nuclear bunker level quantities of toilet paper and paper towels.
0: So, like, a lot of stuff people were getting at work, now they had to do it at home, and it was like everything changed. Now, here's the thing about the Uncrustables. Despite the supply chain issues, 2022 saw a record sales amount of Uncrustables. They sold more than they ever have before.
1: Tell me you own stock in Smuckers. No. <laughs> Please. But this
0: was so weird. So, I always assumed that every time I would go into a store and the shelves were empty, that it was because of like something like a labor shortage or maybe a material shortage. But it turned out that they were making them at the same rate they always made them. People were buying more of them.
1: I'm gonna guarantee you it's because they listen to this show.
0: Do you think it is? I think we should call Smuckers and tell them that that's why.
1: Everyone buying Smuckers Uncrustables is a listener of this show and passionate for your brand loyalty.
0: Here's what makes no sense to me though. I mean, it really does not make sense. Uncrustables, the whole point of them, at least in, in my understanding, is that they're like pre-made sandwiches, right? They're custom-made for kids or whoever to bring like in lunch boxes because right. the whole point is that they defrost and then they're ready for lunch and you don't have to make a sandwich. They're a travel food. That's how right. they market it. So everybody's traveling less, right? People are, are working remotely. There's homeschooling. There's like a lot less traveling. Why on earth would that be a product that people are buying more than ever? It just doesn't make sense. You could just make a regular sandwich. But it's hilarious to me that the company, despite whatever challenges they might have had, they just sold a ton. And the demand for Uncrustables is insane.
1: If there's one through thread since we started this segment on my show, it has been Smucker's Uncrustables, which, by the way, for the listeners,
0: not a sponsor. Is not a sponsor.
1: We're just fans <laughs> of the Uncrustables.
0: Hilarious. But you know what else, by the way? So this, guess what else is here to stay? So I looked into another thing that, you know, started during the pandemic, but is just raging on. Not toilet paper. No, not toilet paper, but online grocery sales.
1: Oh, like uh, Instacart, those types of things? Yeah. Also not a sponsor we should disclose. (laughs) Just a fan, not a sponsor.
0: Instacart is a sponsor of my life. Maybe not of the show, but certainly of my life. Because I literally can't go like a day without placing an Instacart order. And I always did grocery delivery, but never to the extent that I did since the pandemic. And it seems like so is the rest of the world. I think it really probably has changed grocery shopping forever. Have you, have you seen changes like in your grocery stores? Oh, we have.
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, it, I think it all started with Fresh Direct, which was like the telehealth of food at the time. Mm-hmm. And we use something called Peapod sometimes. But, you know, I, I, I love that we're like, discussing like just living our lives and trying to feed ourselves and our kids. I've always found that just going to the supermarket makes me happier than hoping they pack everything right and don't mess things up. Yes. Going
0: to the supermarket makes me irate. I hate going to the supermarket. I find
1: shopping just therapeutic. Like, I don't really look at my phone. I'm alone. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I just have oh, to be myself. Yeah. It's it's like a zen moment in time for me to just go shopping on an empty supermarket.
0: Yeah, I understand. That is how I feel about all shopping except grocery shopping. Okay. I love to shop. I could literally shop for everything from coat hangers to ballpoint pens to staples and be thrilled. But put me in a supermarket, and especially when I got to go down that goddamn frozen food aisle.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Where I'm like, it's hot outside, but I'm shivering to death in the aisle. (laughs) Like, I can't do it. It's so terrible. Have you noticed this? In all of the stores, at least in my neighborhood, they have now installed a ton of this self-service. Oh, I hate the
1: self-checkouts because it just brings out the worst in people.
0: You hate self-check? I don't know that we can even be friends anymore.
1: No, I hate self-checkout. I mean, I can do self-checkout, but there's just a bell curve of competency across our species. And (laughs) you always get stuck behind the four people at the four stations that don't know how to use it.
0: I love the self-checkout. I love the satisfying beep when you get the barcode. I love to take the scan gun off the back. I love to type in the coupon codes. I love it. It makes me so happy. It is, in fact, the only thing that makes me feel emotionally reimbursed for having to walk through the supermarket.
1: But how does this compete with Instacart? They're the ones doing it for
0: you. Some people... Just prefer grocery deliveries. And I think, you know, there are times you have to just run in and get something. And to me, I love running in. If I have to just get one thing, I love not having to speak to a checker on the way out.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the social potential of having a conversation with someone you don't want to have as a recluse like us. Yes, it's an over under on just in and out.
0: Cause I love people, but I hate small talk and I I, not really, I love people, but I I really can't do like, I don't like talking to strangers at all.
1: Nice weather we got here.
0: No, I can't do it. It makes me, and because also invariably they'll try to talk to me about professional sports and then I get really pissed off. I know. Well, like talk to me about the food I'm buying. That's fine. Please don't (laughs) talk to me about like if the Eagles won this week, like I can't do it, but let me just give you some, some statistics. I, I think it's really interesting, like how much we've changed as a society. So between March 2020 and February 2022, U.S. consumers spent $1.7 trillion online, which is $609 billion more than they spent in 2018 and 2019 combined.
1: That's a lot of money to begin with. Isn't it? It's a lot of Uncrustables that don't exist.
0: Is I just think it's amazing. And I'm sure I'm not alone in the fact that when I shop online, I shop differently than I do in the store. So you tend to buy different things. Maybe you buy different brands or different quantities. And I just think it's really interesting that it seems like the pandemic has created a change that it, it seems like it's here to stay.
1: Well, again, like we have caroleries on my other show and many, many other shows in healthcare that telehealth emerged from this sort of like obscure, do I trust it, to holy shit, I need it desperately. And the insurance companies now pay for it because they realize it's a little cheaper. And if you great. can avoid
0: going to a doctor for a test, yeah. that's a better did way I to- Did tell you? What? What you found that on Crustables telehealth platform? I did not, but I was on vacation and got really severe poison ivy. Ooh. And then remembered that I had telehealth and pulled out my phone, immediately asked for a dermatology appointment, which didn't even require me to speak- To anyone, which do you see a trend here? You just, just, (laughs) I just texted some random doctor a picture of my leg. And then before I could even think about it, the prescription was already waiting for me at a pharmacy. It was like the most amazing thing that has ever happened.
1: Recluse therapy.
0: (laughs) I love taking care of errands without having to interface with anyone. (laughs) I just love it. How
1: would you have existed on the Oregon Trail not, not well. Not well.
0: You would have died of dysentery in a month. I definitely would have died of dysentery. Okay, so I have I have another thing that um, I'd like to just you know talk about wh- where we where we've come and and what's going on, and that's travel.
1: I feel like we should cue up the laughter. And the tears, <laughs> the travel shadows.
0: Is, Remember that travel song? is a laughter and tears kind of <laughs> It someday, really is. It? I
1: mean, we both had our horror stories last year and the year before.
0: I think that as a as a whole, Americans especially have started to think about travel in a different way. That it's become, you know, it's always been somewhat of a luxury. But I think people appreciate it more now because, you know, that's just kind of how you feel when something's taken away for a while. I think people are traveling differently. I think you have more people out there going to places where there's a lot of outdoors kind of stuff. So this summer I went up to Maine and New Hampshire and we went whitewater rafting and the rafting guides said that the last two years have just exploded for them because the whole world has decided to take up like outdoorsy kind of activities during COVID or during different periods during the pandemic, the only vacations that were safe were outdoors vacations. So a lot of people did them for the first time And then we're like, hey, this nature stuff isn't so bad. It's like
1: at the end of WALL-E when they get back to Earth and realize that you could be on a planet with grass and not like in a spaceship.
0: I can't believe you just spoiled WALL-E because I know that one of the things that's changed for me is that I am actually much more sensitive to doing things in crowds. I mean, I've never enjoyed crowds But now I sort of feel like I have this added layer of a reason never to go in a crowd. So now I sort of refuse to go to things like theme parks and crowded museums. And, you know, I love museums, but I try to always go at off hours and stuff like that.
1: You are your own like social leitmotif. You know that.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Variations on the theme by Elora Nanos. (laughs) Yes.
0: I just love social motive No one that is listening has any idea what that means. We lost everybody jukebox. except
1: the one music nerd that listens right. to the I show. I just
0: love that. Makes me so happy. Thank you, Sal um, Deanna,
1: for sticking around.
0: <laughs> Seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, travel. So travel, I think people's destinations have changed. I think also, though, you know, there's the air travel shit show that's happening. Air travel is in some ways worse than ever. You know, it was like it was shut down. So, I mean, that sucked. But now it's back up. But it still sucks.
1: Well, it never hasn't sucked. Even when there was COVID, like, I mean, at least people aren't beating people up, being idiots on planes anymore for not wearing masks.
0: That's true. Airlines, by the way, have said that they're calling it a covid hangover, mm. um, which is I, I never want the word hangover and air travel to go together, especially if you're a pilot. Right. Exactly. But if you'd notice, like flight delays are insane. Oh, now. my God, it's
1: still happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because there's there's still shortages, labor shortages. Well, and People stuff are like still that.
1: getting covid. It still might take you out of your job for a week
0: right and and it's like a lot of that last minute like oh shit i tested positive right you know mm-hmm. i'm sure that's going on with i mean there's not an unlimited supply of pilots so i'm sure that that does happen to pilots right. or to flight mm-hmm. attendants or other sure. critical airline staff but i mean that that's very annoying i mean i know that for me uh, you know i live near the philadelphia airport and the last four times that i tried to fly out of philly it was impossible to park your car anywhere not even at the offsite airport parking lots wow you couldn't get a cab, you couldn't get airport transportation, and it was impossible to park your car. And it was even like it, it made the local news here that it was like, forget it, don't try to park your car at the airport, just get a friend.
1: Ryan, right, I'm sure inflation doesn't help this either.
0: Oh, right. The fact that everybody's making less money <laughs> and everything costs more money, that sucks too.
1: Yeah, that's called economics, folks. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. From our fabulous nostalgic recapturing of the magic yeah. that was Vaxon, and we will be right back after these messages, not from the Uncrustables. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset—hard to get better than that, unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time!
1: All right, we're back. What is our next fabulous recap nostalgia story, Laura?
0: This recap is like, remember, nostalgically, when, when COVID was, was new and it was the only virus we were really worried about. And it was the only pandemic that anybody <laughs> really was scared oh,
1: about. Oh, re- COVID classic, such a peaceful time in America.
0: Sure it was, except now we have freaking monkeypox, too.
1: I, that, that's familiar. I think we've talked about that on this show, especially the one where we decided what not to do to get monkeypox.
0: Yes. And it, let's be clear. Monkeypox is not COVID. It's not transmitted the same way. It's not wreaking the same kind of havoc on it, the world that it is COVID not. did. It's not. But it still sucks. And it's still far worse than monkeypox itself had been prior to COVID. Because we're talking about almost 11,000 cases confirmed in 49 states. That's pretty bad. It
1: also sounds
0: more tyrannically horrible than COVID, which sounds like a hallmark card, right? I, I hate the name COVID. COVID. I, it, I, I have to tell you, I, um, this is confession time since we're looking back. Right. I can't stand calling it COVID. I even more can't stand calling it COVID hyphen 19. I would like to make a motion that we go back to calling it coronavirus because I liked that better.
1: Yeah. Coronavirus was... No one
0: calls it that though. And even that sounds more
1: pastoral.
0: Coronavirus to me sounds more pastoral. Yeah, yes. I like, that was my favorite. I hate COVID and I definitely hate monkey pox because anything pox related gives me anxiety.
1: Well, also it's syllables too. There's an, an alliterative nature to this or an onomatopoeic <laughs> nature to this. Like coronavirus is five happy sounding syllables and monkeypox just sounds like it's killing you right now.
0: It definitely sounds like death. It's terrible. Even though monkeypox is a very different kind of virus with different issues that it brings up, we're going through these same steps. What is the CDC saying? What's happening with the vaccine? Right. What's happening with testing? So it's interesting to me to see, you know, when when this happened with COVID, every one of those steps from testing to CDC advice to community statistics, this was like entirely new. Like I never paid attention to anything the CDC said nope. prior to COVID. Never. I mean,
1: I did because it was my job, but I didn't really do it to protect myself.
0: Right. Not like in everyday life. Like I I was never like going onto the CDC website and be like, what did they say today? You know, never, <laughs> you know, or like, like the Department of Health for my county and like, what are their stats for it? Like never, ever, ever. Right. And that's just become like sort of part of life. And now we have this other virus and it's got its own whole, you know, bag of tricks that goes with it. but. It's like the whole world knows now, like, okay, well, what's happening with the vaccine? And when is it getting approval? And is it emergency use? And when do I get it? And has it been tested? And like all of that whole thing. And I think some parts of it are going faster, probably because the vaccine already existed. Right. And some aspects of monkeypox are not really markedly better than the way we've handled COVID. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like just an interesting side-by-side to me, to be like, I can't believe we're doing this again.
1: Right. I mean, if we're really doing a dive into almost like three years ago when all this was like fomenting in in China, right? It's like August of 2001. We had no idea what was coming down the pike, how terrible this would affect the whole planet. And looking back, if anything, I hope it is my – I'm really optimistic, but I'm going to say this just now – that society at large has possibly become a little more literate into when bad things can happen to everyone – And not just you or
0: someone you know. Right, right. I think in general, people have just paid more attention to the entire concept of public health. Right. In fact, I think that a lot of people didn't even know what the phrase public health meant prior to COVID. And now people are thinking like, hey, I guess maybe we should have systems in place to deal with public health crises. And that's, you know, of course true. So, I mean, it's a good thing, I think, that people are more aware. I'd like to see it work better than it is now. But I think we're all at least aiming to get better. Right. It
1: did also, I guess, maybe from a not-so-fabulous anthropological survey, emblematically represent H.G. Wells' The Time Machine because we kind of split into two kinds of tribes that really did split our dogmatic principles in a way that I have have found to be revealing of
0: half of society. And, and I'll tell you, I had no idea. I had... Literally, no idea that that was going to happen. I remember talking to a friend of mine who is a scientist in the spring of 2020 and saying, Can you explain to me about vaccines and like how long is it going to take for them to figure it out and make it? And she kind of talked me through the basics of the process. And, and she said, of, you know, of course, you know, that there's going to be plenty of people who don't get the vaccine when it comes out. And I remember being shocked. Right. Like it never even occurred to me that somebody would refuse to get it when we were in the middle of this unprecedented crisis. Right. I had no idea that that's what was going to happen. I just assumed that it would be like the, you know, like maybe you would get a few outliers, but for the most part, it would be like the shots that like kids get at the doctor that it was like, once right. you're supposed to get it, everybody just gets it. And I was not mentally or emotionally prepared for it to become this wild debate at all. And now I realize that, like, oh, I I was so naive about it. And I have to go into the next issue or crisis understanding that that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, this whole me versus we society really didn't rear its ugly head. And it was.
0: And like, whatever it is, you're going to have, like, whatever it is, some people are going to be against it. It doesn't matter what it is.
1: Yeah, but a third of the country against science and, you know, two thirds like, shoot me up.
0: I guess. They don't think they're against science, though. I know. They I think know. they're outsmarting science. It's very strange. <laughs> they do. They think they just know better. It's bizarre.
1: Remember when they thought that the vaccine would make you infertile or, or, or grow horns or something like that?
0: Let's end our retrospective by just reminding ourselves how far we've come, because- we really have come far with the vaccines and with managing COVID. The mRNA vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, they came out in early 2021. Wait, can we
1: queue up Green Day's uh, time of your life?
0: <laughs> Another turning. <laughs> okay, so it really wasn't, in retrospect, that long for this no. all to happen. I mean, it felt really long. Yep. But basically, the in a year, not even less than a year, we got these vaccines which then are they're at least like 92% effective, Yeah, right?
1: It's really important to look back and understand that the technology behind these vaccines existed for more than a decade. So they didn't invent them from scratch and this misnomer that they rushed them to market wasn't a fact, it wasn't true. The ingredients were already there in the kitchen, they just had to bake the
0: cake. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that analogy. But that's actually, that's absolutely true. And then on top of that, we have these labs coming out with treatment options. You know, we have Paxlovid, that's Pfizer's antiviral, and that has shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization by 87%. Yep. We have these other drugs too, which I didn't even know much about. We have, is it Lajavir? That's Merck's antiviral? Lagavir sounds like a beer. Oh, Lagavir. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a beer. Um, Barkeep, get me a Lagavir. (laughs) Then there's also the monoclonal antibodies, which is, that's like another treatment option. Yeah. There's this also, I, did you know about this? This evulshid You're that's full of shit. Evulsion? It sounds like, like Bolsheviks. <laughs> Bullshit. It's Evolshid. It's a prophylactic antibody treatment for some categories of immunocompromised people who don't seem to get a response to the vaccine, which right. is interesting. I didn't know that that was the case. If you think about it, we went from hysteria in March of 2020. With no toilet paper. No toilet paper, no vaccines, nothing to prevent you from getting COVID, nothing to help you if you do get it, and basically let's bleach all the strawberries. And our Amazon boxes, let's not forget Leave all in the, the Amazon
1: boxes we had to bleach.
0: Yeah, we had to bleach the boxes. Like, it was nuts. And if you think about it, where we are now with vaccines that are really effective, treatment options that are varied and effective... And yes, you know, COVID is still out there, but it, I mean, we are in such a better shape now than we were then. I think we should all be heartened. I feel heartened. Do you feel heartened?
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'm I'm more concerned about how the Morlocks and the Elors have developed in society resultant of this. It's, it's almost like you have cancer and 99% of the doctors say you need this treatment. The one doctor says you
0: don't and you listen to the one doctor. Well, listen, you're you're going to keep being pessimistic about people and people are going to suck. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing we can do about people who suck, but the world has come a long way and I will not allow you to take away my optimism.
1: No, no, no. But per your point, yes, from a scientific advancement and a distribution of, 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 pharmaceuticals and a world health literacy, And anthropologic cultural relevancies, and you know, like six billion people got a vaccine. That's a lot of people in a year and a half to get a vaccine. Exactly. So all things considered, I do want to wrap by just recognizing long COVID because that is still going to be something we are going to be talking about here and there when we introduce health careless next week because that is the ongoing unlitigated mystery of side effect, late effect, catastrophe affecting hundreds of thousands of humans around the planet who just had the wrong DNA when they tried to help themselves or got sick.
0: You had to go there. You had to end on a lousy note. That's my job. <laughs> but yeah, all
1: right, I'll even end on a lousier job. There's still no uncrustables.
0: Yeah, there are still no Uncrustables, But as we leave, right, the biggest change of all of this is that Vaxon is turning into health careless, where we'll bring you not only COVID-related news, but we'll bring you general healthcare news because I think we've all kind of gotten to this place that we've realized, hey, we should probably be paying attention to our own health more, to public health more, and to our healthcare system more, because If you don't have health, you don't have anything, right? So it's true. And if you're not so sure, look back to what you were doing in March of 2020. You were doing a whole lot of nothing.
1: Yeah, because healthcare fuckery is not limited to vaccinations and COVID.
0: Exactly. It's not even limited to infectious diseases. Nope. So we hope our listeners will join us next week when Vaxon becomes healthcareless and we give you a whole variety of different topics to feel good and bad about.
1: Yeah, you've explained my job responsibility quite accurately.
0: (laughs) I will be here to bring you some wistfulness, some optimism, and Matt will be here to bring us down.
1: Yeah, that is my job. I am the anvil. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening over the last two years. We're so grateful to have you all and Vax on.
1: We'll see you next week for the all new debut of Health Careless right here on the Out of Patients podcast feed. Take care. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. That's all for now. If you like Vaxon, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Allura Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit
0: offscript.com.